invite you to turn to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. We're going to be looking at uh, a great psalm of, from David. I was actually heading towards Psalm 15 this week. I had a message, in my humble opinion, a great message ready on Psalm 15. And uh, God started redirecting me. And it's about Thursday. I called Tim and I said, Tim, I'm, I'm, I need to go a different direction. I really appreciate the uh, songs that he put together that really fit with, uh, I think, where God's taken us this morning. One of the reasons I'm just going to share with you, if I could just be um, open with you. Um, and let me ask it in the form of a question. How do you manage stress in your life? How do you manage trials that come your way? Has anybody had a week where you, you had no stress and you had no trials and well, you know, we're, we're not quite in heaven yet because it'll be there someday. Someday we will be in a place where there's no more tears and crying and pain. But we live in a fallen world and we, we have struggles, don't we? How are you managing that? You know, there's a lot of things we can do. We can get uh, some prescriptions that will help us and we can get some medications that will help us sleep and we can uh, get some things that will help our pain. And, and there's a place and a time for that. Personally, I, my, my struggle is I've been having headaches. I've been having headaches for several weeks, and I uh, appreciate your prayers for me. I went to see my doctor, and he said, you've been, you've been grinding your teeth. You've been, uh, that's been my response to stress lately. So he gave me some muscle relaxers to help relax this kind of TMJ thing, and he gave me some pain pills to deal with the pain. And again, there's an appropriate place for that, right? And Thank God for good doctors that can help diagnose struggles and things that we have physically. But there's also a spiritual component, isn't there? And we're made holistically. And we have, um, you know, things that we think about. We have sometimes physical responses to, to stress and, and things that are going on with us. But if we're not careful, we try these, all these other methods, you know? I mean, you need to exercise. Okay, get a good jog in, and that helps. There's nothing wrong. In fact, that's helpful to get some exercise. There's many things that we can and should be doing and as God has made us holistically. But let's not forget the spiritual component because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in God's image. And there's a spiritual dynamic to what we go through in life. And that's where we're going to go this morning, to Psalm 18, because this is where God has been taking me in the midst of managing stress. Let's come to the Father, and let's come to the Lord, and let's allow Him to be who He is in our life, our Creator, our master, our fortress, our rock of defense, a lot of those things we've been singing about this morning. We do live in a world where there are struggles, where there are trials. I came across this illustration and uh, wanted to read it to you. Maybe, maybe you just have a bad day sometimes. You just, just have a bad day. Listen to this guy. He's a hard hat worker. He's in construction, and he was repairing some hurricane damage. When I got to the building, I found that the hurricane had knocked off some bricks around the top. So I rigged up a beam with a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up 
a couple barrels full of bricks. You can tell this is an older illustration by the use of pulleys and, and all that, but bear with me. When I had fixed the damaged area, there were lots of bricks left over. Then I went to the bottom and began releasing the line. Unfortunately, the barrel was heavier than I was, and before I knew what was happening, the barrel started coming down, jerking me up. I decided to hang on since I was too far off the ground by then to jump, and halfway up, I met the barrel of bricks coming down fast. I received a hard blow to my shoulder. I then continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers pinched and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground, it burst out its bottom, allowing the bricks to spill out. I was now heavier than the barrel. So I started down again at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up fast and received severe injuries to my shins. When I hit the ground, I landed on the pile of spilled bricks, getting several painful cuts and deep bruises. At this point, I must have lost my presence of mind because I let go of my grip on the line. The barrel came down fast giving me another blow on my head and putting me in the hospital. The last line is, I respectfully request sick leave. (laughs) I have no idea if that's true or not, but we go through struggles, don't we? Life has its bumps and bruises. How are you managing the stress or the trials that are coming your way? How are you responding to those. We're going to find King David in Psalm 18, where he finds a refuge in life's storms. A refuge in life's storms. First, we're going to see David crying out for help. Psalm 18, we begin by reading, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. We believe the historical context for Psalm 18 is David, at the end of his life, is looking back and he's recounting God's faithfulness to him, particularly at the point in his life when King Saul was chasing David and David was running for his life. David was hiding in caves. David was fearful. At some points, David was pretending he was a madman. He was at the end of his rope. David was running for his life and he's writing this psalm, looking back on his life and he's recounting the Lord's faithfulness to him. One of the reasons we think that he's referring to Saul and he's referring to this context is look at Psalm 18, verse 48, towards the end. And by the way, this is the fourth longest psalm in our 150 Psalm Psalter. Uh, We won't be covering every verse. We'd be here till two in the afternoon. I'm going to hit some high points with you. But in verse 48, we read, He delivers me from my enemies. This is Saul and and, and Saul's men chasing him. Surely you do lift me above those who rise up against me. You do rescue me from the violent man. We think he's referring to King Saul in this situation. That's the context out of which David writes this uh, Psalm 18. 
What are you experiencing in your life? What struggles might you be having? Again, I mentioned we're made holistically. We're made in the image of God and we have things that we think about. We have sometimes physical responses to to stress and, and pain and trials. We also have emotional responses and they're real. And the worst thing we can do is just tell somebody to put a little band-aid on it and pretend it's not happening. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're struggling and by me sharing my struggle with you, I'm saying I struggle too. I some days pray and say, God, get me through the day. I have days that I have tremendous times of, of questioning and looking to God. That's real. That's life. And if we're honest, we're all in a place like that. And let's look at some of the emotions that David describes to us because they're real and they're powerful. Let's look at some of these. Look at verse 4 in Psalm 18, verse 4. He says, and this is, this is what David was feeling when he was running for his life from King Saul. He says, the cords of death encompass me. This is anxiety. David is feeling anxiousness. And some of you may be feeling anxiety at whatever you're going through in life, whatever situation you may be having. We keep reading in the last half of verse 4, and he says, And the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. This is fear. Do you ever feel fear? Sometimes fear can just be overwhelming. We keep reading in verse 5. The cords of Sheol. Sheol is the underworld, the netherworld. It's a reference to, to death as well. The cords of Sheol or, or death surrounded me. He felt hopeless. You ever feel hopeless? Things are coming at you and, and whatever situation is so heavy and so weighty, you feel like there's no hope. David felt this way. We keep reading. Look at verse 6. In my distress, and we're going to see his answer, how he called upon the Lord, but David was distressed. Any of you feel distressed this morning? I asked Mike to read from Psalm 42, and let me mention some other emotions. And there's many that we can find in in the Psalms, and that's one of the reasons I love the Psalms, is because David is so refreshingly, sometimes brutally honest with what he's going through. And we see that even great men of God, men of God's own heart, they struggled We live in a fallen world, and things come our way, and sometimes they overwhelm us. Look at Psalm 42, verse 3. David says, My tears have been my food day and night. He may have been depressed, certainly discouraged. He's crying day and night. So he asked the question in verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Here we have the emotion of despair. And then he keeps going in the second half of verse 5. And why have you become disturbed within me? In the core of his being, he's feeling these emotions of despair and being dis- disturbed. Any of you ever feel forgotten? Any of you ever feel alone? 
Like God, he's not even there. He's not listening. Nobody cares. David said this in verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? These are powerful emotions. And they're real. And we have them from time to time. And I think one of the the best things we can do this morning is we come together as a community of believers, as a family of God, is to have the courage to be honest with God about the things that we're feeling and we're going through. But also to have the courage to be honest with each other, those around us, Because God has given us, once we place our faith in the person of Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness of sins and are adopted into his family, he gives us the body of Christ. And we are to bear one another's burdens. We're in this together. You're not alone. You're not to face whatever you're facing by yourself. We have each other, and we have God. And let's go back now to Psalm 18, and let's look at this God that David trusted in. Let's look at what he is like, because I think we have a key question that we all have to answer. The key question is, can I trust God? Can I trust him for what I'm going through? You ever ask yourself that? If we're honest, that's at the core of a lot of the things we struggle with. Can I trust him? Trust is the foundation of all relationships. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to open myself up to you. Okay? If we don't trust God... If we don't believe that he is who he says he is, why should we go to him for help? Why should we cry out to him? This is a fundamental issue at the core of our Christian faith. Can I trust God? Well, let's look what David says. Can I trust him? Let's look at how David describes the Lord. He begins with this incredible statement, a statement, don't overlook this, that describes his relationship with God. I love you, O Lord. I love you, Jehovah. Jehovah God, the covenantal name of God with his people. The name of God that when the people coming together, and by, by the way, this psalm, psalm was read, and it was sung as a chorus and as a hymn of praise by the worshiping community, and they would come together and say, I love you, Jehovah, the covenantal name of God with his people, that God will be faithful to his people. David is saying, I love you, God. And that's one of the things that we do when we come and we worship God and when we tell God that we love Him is that we, we are being moved and we're being reminded of what's true and that there's a relationship with Him. And we're moved in terms of 
our, our passion and our description of our relationship. And we just tell him, I love you, Lord. I love you. And he's going to go on and he's going to describe characteristics of what God is like, who God is like. Again, answering this fundamental question, can I trust him? And he's saying, first of all, I love you. What God? Not a God, not the God. I love you, my God. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Every one of these we're going to describe. It's called personal agency. There's ownership, my strength. The Lord is my strength. Strength, David is saying. Several times he will repeat this throughout the song. In verse 32, the God who girds me with strength. In verse 46, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. That was the wrong verse. Verse 39. I read it with power and conviction though, didn't I? Verse 39. For you have girded me with strength for battle. We see strength in David describing his relationship with God. The Lord is my strength. Paul would say, when I'm weak, then he is strong. In my relationship with God, I have to come to him as poor and needy for me to experience his strength. Do you notice the the humbling element in that? Because see, when I got it all together, when I'm strong, then I don't need God, right? And then I'll take all those other paths to try to fix my problem and try to manage my stress and try to deal with my issues. And I'll do everything else except coming to him on my needs and saying, I need you, Lord. Lord, you're my strength. You're all I have right now, and I trust you. Lord, David says, the Lord is my strength. He's also my rock. The Lord is my rock. Notice the present reality. David is describing the reality that in the moment with all these things that were overwhelming him, that the the Lord is present and the Lord is real. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is My rock. Now that's an interesting phrase. Again, several times in this passage we see the Lord being referenced as a rock. Why does he call God a rock? What do you know about the geography around Jerusalem and, and Palestine? It's a very rocky area, isn't it? Where did David go to run from Saul? He ran to the mountains. He ran to the rocks. He ran to the caves. And I can just imagine David is describing what it was like. Have you ever been to the Garden of the Gods outside of Colorado Springs? How many of you have been there? What, what impresses you about that place? Just the, the, the hugeness of these rocks, the magnificent size of these boulders, and how we're kind of small. We're tiny compared to that. God is my rock He is my protector. I can count on him. He is stability to me. You know, we have a number of hymns in the hymns of faith that describe this. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. 
we can come and we can hide and be in a safe place in the presence of God. Jehovah God, the covenant God, our rock. Another one. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Isn't that great? And I think David prophetically is pointing forward here to the person of Christ. In fact, if you read John Calvin's commentary on this, he said you can't help but read Psalm 18 without thinking of the person of Jesus Christ. I was going to say this at the end, but let me jump down to the very last verse. He gives, verse 50, he gives great deliverance to his king. David's He's the king. He's describing how God gives deliverance. He shows chesed, this loyal, loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. This is the reference to the Davidic covenant. And there's a coming king of the line of David, the tribe of Judah. Who is this? Jesus. Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. In Matthew 7, we read about the wise man who built his house upon what? The rock. God is our rock. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and experience his free gift of salvation, then these verses become real to us. By the way, let me make this very clear that if you're here this morning and you are outside the family of God and you have never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, come to Him. Come to Him. Experience a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that these verses will apply to you and you can experience this kind of relationship as David is describing. I love you, O Lord, my strength, the Lord my rock, and He's also my fortress. My fortress, this is a high place of refuge. It's impenetrable. Notice the the war imagery here, the military, the battle imagery. And that God is at a place, and he's taken David to a place of, of a fortress. And that no matter what happens to David, no matter, even if they would come and catch him and, and kill him, even if they take his life, that he is secure in God. That God is his fortress. A place of stability. This is a picture of God's defense and protection. One of my um, hobbies is I like to study military history. And I love um, to go, much to my wife's chagrin, uh, when we have spare times, I like to go to Civil War battlegrounds. And uh, any of you ever been to Vicksburg, Mississippi, to the um, Civil War National Park there? Well, it, there's a great tour, and uh, there's a particular point, point called Fort Hill that was in, it was a fortress. It was at the top of this huge cliff overlooking the Mississippi River, and it was so huge and so well fortified by the, the Confederates that the Union Army never, ever even attempted to attack it. This is Fort Hill. This is a picture of who we have in a relationship with God. Is that he has taken us to a place of safety and security. That nobody can touch us. Not even Satan can get to us. Satan can, he, you know, he can hurt us. 
And, and we, we experience that in, in life, don't we? It's in, that's just reality. We, we live in a fallen world, and, and um, we're in a spiritual warfare. Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. But in terms of our soul and our salvation and our eternity, that we are in a place where we are eternally secure in a fortress with God. And that's what David is saying. The Lord is my strength. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. The word deliverer means one who saves. He saves me. Several times in this hymn, we read about God being a deliverer. The last verse, he gives great deliverance to his king. He's our deliverer. Hosanna, Jesus Christ, one who saves, one who delivers. My God, in whom I take refuge, he is my deliverer. In verse 3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The Lord is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, and he is my refuge. He is the one in whom I have put my hope and my trust. The Lord is my refuge. In verse 2, he's my God, my rock, in whom, the one in whom I take refuge. He is a safe place. I think of Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and who beside you? I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. He's also my shield. He's my shield. We, again, the, the battle terminology. He is my protection. And in Ephesians 6, we're told to put on the full armor of God. He is my horn of salvation. In verse 2. My shield and the horn of my salvation. The horn, the, they, maybe we, they had in mind a, a bull's horn or a ram's horn, which is the shofar. And they would blow that horn and it was a, a signal to charge in battle. Or it was, a, it was a signal for the people to come and to worship, to be drawn to Jehovah. For the time of worship was at hand. In Luke 1, chapter 1, we read in verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us, referring to Jesus Christ, in the house of David, His servant. He is my horn of salvation. He is... My stronghold. Again, personal agency here. He is a safe place. There's relationship. He is my stronghold. So what am I to do? How am I to respond? We're to cry out to God for help. And that's the model that David gives us here. To cry out to God. Verse 3. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Can I trust him? 
Yes. Yes. He's my Lord, my strength, my stronghold, my fortress, my protector, my shield. Yes, I can trust him. So my response is to call out to him. It's to, even David goes on to say, to cry out to him in verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And you, you see the emotion here. You see almost a desperation. I cried out to my God for help. He cried out to God. Psalm 18 from the message. I wanted us to read this together. I didn't want just this be this one-way thing this morning. I want us to read this. This is Eugene Peterson's, and I want you to see how he describes crying out to God and how God hears, how he responds to us in our time of need. Will you read this with me? I love you, God. You make me strong. God is bedrock under my feet, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night, my God, the high crag, where I run for dear life, hiding behind the boulders, safe in the granite hideout. I sing to God the praise lofty and find myself safe and saved. The hangman's noose was tied at my throat. Devil waters rushed over me. Hell's ropes cinched me tight. Death traps barred every exit. A hostile world. I call to God. I cry to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence, a private audience. Wow. Wow. He's waiting for us to cry out to him. To come to him. So what does God do? How does David respond? Key question number two, will God hear my cry? Will he hear me? What does he do in David's life? We see David experiencing deliverance. And let's look down in verse 16. In between verse 6 and 16, we see David and he describes this. It could be this vision or this epiphany. It could be that he was in a storm and he's describing this storm where there's an earthquake and the rain was coming down and the... Lightning was was pressing around him. We don't know, but look at God's response. Does God answer him? Does he hear his cry? Look at these verbs. Look at God's faithfulness. Look how God responds to David. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. In contrast, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a broad place. He rescued me. Why did he do that? Because he delighted in David. Can we trust him? Yes. Yes. Will he hear us? When we cry out to him, absolutely. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to come to him and to cry out to him. Does he know you? Yes. He's, he will come. He brought me forth. He rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. 
Do you realize that the God of creation delights in you? Let that sink in. The God of creation delights in you. What does that mean? Delight, it's from the root to bend down. And again, David is picturing God who's up and he's seated in heaven and he's bending down, he's coming down to David to rescue him. This can also be translated, this word delight. And think about us and think about how God delights in us to take pleasure in, to be mindful of, to be attentive to, to keep or protect. God knows us by name. And that's how the Good Shepherd, John 10, describes his sheep. He knows us by name. And God delights in you and me. And he wants us to call to him. He wants us to admit our need and to allow him to be God and Lord, our Savior our deliverer, our protector, our fortress, our defender. Will you come to him this morning? Will you respond to him right where you are? Tim, would you come? Tim's going to take us back to a song that we sang earlier, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy, Weak and Wounded, Sick and Sore. Jesus Ready stands to save you full of pity, love, and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty glorify true belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in His arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Tim, would you lead us? Will you stand together? Let's come to him this morning. And come you sinners, poor and needy, we can and sore Jesus ready stands to save you full of pity love and power and I will arise and go to Jesus and he will embrace me in his arms There are 10,000 jars. It's the second verse. It's the second verse. Come ye weary. Come ye weary. Heavy laden. Lost and ruined. By the fall. And if you tarry. Till you're better 
Thank you for this morning. We feel your presence here. Yes, you are trustworthy. Yes, you hear us when we cry out to you. I pray that as we leave this place, you'll remind us of who we are. That you delight in us. That you know us by name. Lord, we sense you doing something here this morning. And as the body of Christ, Father, I pray that we'll respond to those around us because there's hurting and needy people all around us here this morning. Fathers, I pray that we leave this place. We'll ask those around us, how, how can we pray? How can I pray for you? Is there anything going on in your life right now that, that I can just remember you and pray for you about this week? We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. See you next week.